You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Turn to Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you like to hear some good news for a change? One lady said to her husband, should we watch the 6 o'clock news tonight and get indigestion before supper? Or should we watch the 11 o'clock news and get insomnia before we go to sleep? Another man said it this way. He said, the evening news always begins with good evening. And the rest of the hour tells you why it isn't. I'll tell you what, we live in a world... A world that's full of sin. And because of sin, the world is full of sorrow, heartache, tragedy, death, suffering, hatred, violence, terrorism, anger, bitterness, resentment, lies, corruption, and perversion of all kind, just to name a few. If there's one thing that this world needs... It's some good news. If there's something that individuals need in their life, it's some good news. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through verse 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And though the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid... And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good tidings. We have never lived in a day and age when we need good tidings as we do today. Good news. Well, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, unto you personally, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know why we need some good tidings today? is because, let's be honest, our world and our lives, and I quote from the Bible, are experiencing the sufferings of this present time. Our lives are strewn with suffering. And I'll tell you what, one day, praise God for the believer, that suffering is all going to be over with. But despite what's going on in the world and despite what's going on in your life, tell you what, there's some good tidings. There's some good tidings. How many of you like Christmas carols? How many of you like religious Christmas carols? How many of you even like some secular Christmas carols? Well, of course we do. One Christmas carol goes this way. It's the most wonderful time, what, of the year. And you know what? Stop and think about it for a moment. This is 
the most wonderful time of the year. Why? Because we have some really good news. Matter of fact, we have the best news that the world has ever heard. We have some good tidings, don't we? The Christmas story. Let me repeat. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. These good tidings bring great joy when understood and embraced. Which shall be to how many people? Aren't you thankful for the alls of Scripture? Which shall be to all people for unto you. It's for all people, but it's for you personally. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, come on. That has to be the best news in all the world. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come into this world to be the Savior of us all. You know, maybe right now some of you are thinking, you know, that's a nice story. But to be quite honest with you, it really doesn't relate to the problems that I'm facing in my life. The Christmas story, some would say, will give brief hope and brief peace but soon Christmas is over with, and then everything goes back to reality. Some would say, let's get honest. The Christmas story really doesn't alleviate the pain that I feel in my life, or the tragedy that's happened in my life, or the struggles that I'm dealing with just trying to live on a daily basis. Well, let me say something. If that's ever been your thought... Or maybe it's your thought right now concerning these good tidings. You really don't understand the significance of the good tidings that the angel brought to the shepherds that night. You really don't. Otherwise, you would see how it relates to you very personally. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That is absolutely, listen to me, church. That is absolutely the best news that anyone could ever hear. It really is. The gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some things I want to share with you concerning this good news, these good tidings that bring such great joy. And first of all, the gospel is the best news in all the world. Listen to me. Because it centers in the person of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this person, the Lord Jesus, is the most unique person that has ever lived on the face of the earth. Right now we have 7 billion people that are alive on planet earth. I have no idea how many billions of people have lived and died since the creation of this world. But in all that have ever lived, the most unique person ever was the Lord Jesus Christ. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, in a moment, I'm going to come back and talk to you about the fact that he is the Savior. But there's three other things that I want you to notice in this verse. First of all, it says he is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the word in the Greek for Christ means anointed one. 
anointed one. Jesus Christ was the anointed one of God. In the Hebrew, which is the language in which the Old Testament is written, the word means Messiah. He is, this babe born in a manger, was the anointed Messiah of God. He was sent by God. He was anointed by God to carry out God's mission. And that mission was the salvation of all mankind. In the Old Testament, the Bible talks about three very special offices that individuals held. There was the office of a prophet. There was the office of a priest. And then there was the office of a king. Prophet, priest, and king. Every one of these men that held that office were anointed before they took the office. In this verse that we have just read, we find that Jesus was the Christ. He was the anointed one of God. As you read the Gospels, stay with me. As you read the Gospels, he was anointed and, and clearly proclaimed as a prophet. I think of one portion of scripture, and this was the raising of the widow's son. It says this in Luke chapter 7. And he, the Lord Jesus, said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up, and he began to speak. And he was delivered to his mother. And great fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God hath visited his people. So throughout the gospel of the Lord Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is recognized as an anointed prophet of God. Not only was Jesus anointed as a prophet, but the Bible tells us that he was also anointed as a priest. In Psalm chapter 110 and verse 4, listen to this prophecy that went before upon the Lord Jesus. The Lord hath sworn and will not change his mind. He will not repent. He said, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I'm not going to repent about this. This coming Messiah, this coming anointed Christ, this Jesus is going to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, who was Melchizedek? We don't have a lot of information about him. He's only mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. And in Genesis chapter 14, he is called a king, he is called a priest, and he gives a prophecy upon Abraham, and Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek. You say, when it says that Jesus was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, what does that mean? He held all three of those offices. In the, in the book of Hebrews... Chapter 6, verse 20, chapter 7, verse 17, chapter 7, verse 21, it repeats that prophecy and says that Jesus Christ was the anointed priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now you stop and say, who was Melchizedek? Many Bible students believe it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, and that's why Abraham paid tithes to him. Holding the three 
anointed offices of prophet, priest, and also king. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16, it calls the Lord Jesus the King of Kings, say it with me, and the what? The Lord of Lords. So he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the anointed one. He was anointed as prophet because he came to preach the gospel. He was anointed as a priest because he himself offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And he was called a king because one day his kingdom is going to come. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Let me tell you something, that's a pretty unique person. And that's why this is such good news. Because it centers solely in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of who he is, he alone is able to reconcile a sinful people to a holy God. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death and praise God, he rose from the dead. Give me an amen, church. The Bible says in Hebrews 2, verse 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved him, it moved Christ, to be made like unto his brethren, like unto us, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Christ is so unique. He is the only one in human history that could make reconciliation for my sin and your sin between a holy God. Neither is there salvation in what? Any other. For there is none other name under heaven, none other name under heaven, of all the billions of people who have ever lived, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He is Christ. He is the anointed prophet, priest, and king. This verse not only tells us that he was the anointed Christ, it also tells us that he is Lord. He is Christ, and he is Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, say it with me, which is Christ the Lord. The same word for Lord in verse 11, which we've just quoted, is the same word for Lord that is in verse 9, verse 22, and verse 23 that refers directly to the Lord God himself. Jesus is so unique, he was God himself. This is so important. You say, how can that be? You know what the Bible calls it? A mystery. Paul said to Timothy, he said, Great is the mystery of godliness. God, great is the mystery of God. How can this be? How can God, God, the creator God, the God of the universe, the God that holds all things together by the word of his power, how can this be that God became man? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, period. God became, we call this the doctrine of the incarnation. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. 
and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Emmanuel, and I quote, which being interpreted is God with us. Don't ever allow any Jehovah's Witness to tell you that Jesus Christ is not the eternal God. He is. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is under the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You say, how can this be? It's a mystery. I don't know how it can be. I don't know how the Trinity exists. I don't know how three can be one. But I believe it. Because the Bible proclaims it. And Jesus said these words, unless you believe that I am He, unless you believe that I am the Lord God, ye shall die in your sins. The Jews knew exactly who Jesus Christ was claiming to be. And the Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou being a man makest thyself out to be God. If Jesus was only a man, he could not have died for my sin and your sin. No wonder. The angel said, he shall be great. He shall be great. He was the Lord God. And only God alone was great enough to deal with all of my sin and to deal with all of your sin. Oh, listen to me, church family. He became sin for what? Us. He became sin for us. This unique person, this prophet, priest, and king, this son of man, but also the son of God. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How are we made the righteousness of God in him? By faith. A couple nights ago, I believe it was on a Friday night, I think it was Alyssa turned on the TV and she turned on uh, a Bible uh, story on Netflix. Very well done. I don't know the name of it. Do you remember the name of it, honey? Don't know what it was. But it started out, there were several episodes, and it started out with the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I saw this all being played out before my eyes, and I saw the crucifixion and all the Lord Jesus went through, and then I saw his glorious resurrection from the dead. I'm going to tell you something. Tears started to flow out of my eyes. And in my heart, I'm saying, I believe it. I believe it. You know what? I wasn't there. But I believe that Jesus is exactly who the angels proclaimed him to be. I believe that he is exactly who the prophets prophesied him to be. Daniel covered this in the Sunday school lesson this morning. Over 300 prophecies went before the Lord Jesus and he fulfilled every one of those prophecies. I believe that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father and he proved it by all the miracles that he performed. But the greatest was rising from the dead. 
Jesus was not only God, he was man. He was born in Bethlehem as a baby. Jesus did not descend to this earth as a full-grown man. But he had a miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. But while he, Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee thy wife, for that which is conceived in her, say it with me, church, is of the Holy Ghost, that miraculous conception of Christ. Jesus was born, are you still with me? He was born and he went through every stage of human development that we go through. The Bible said, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What a wonder. What a wonder that he could be 100% the Son of God. And yet 100% the Son of Man. As the Son of Man, he became our representative. Lived a sinless life, died on an old rugged cross, and rose from the dead. Who his own self bore our sin in his body on the tree. That we being dead to sin might live under righteousness. By whose stripes we are healed. The Son of Man. And at the same time, the unique Son of of God. He is the only one qualified to be the Savior of the world. If you doubt the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus, I want to encourage you to do something. Read the Gospels with an open mind. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can read it in one setting. And as you read the Gospels, you will, I believe, be convinced that the Bible proclaims him to be fully God and fully man in one person. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That makes the news that he brings about his salvation the best news in all the world. Hello? Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I really believe that the gospel is the best news in all the world because of the type of news that it is. It is, hello, come on now, look up here. Some of you stayed up too, too late last night playing Xbox. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus didn't come to this earth as a nice man bringing a new philosophy about life. Well, he was a nice man, and he did bring a philosophy about life, but that's not why he came. He did not come to be some great moral teacher, although he was the greatest moral teacher that the world has ever known. He didn't come to give some interesting tips on how to be happy in life and how to find success and prosperity. 
But I will tell you this, Jesus is the source of happiness, joy and prosperity in life. You know why he came to this world? To be the Savior. He came to be the Savior. And I want you to stop and think about this with me. The only way he can be your Savior is if you realize that you're in great peril. Only people who are in great peril, only people who see that they are in danger, will look and reach out for someone to save them. (coughs) And even though you may not be aware of it, if you're here without the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in great peril. You are in great danger. If you die, listen to me, young people. If you die without Jesus as your Savior, you eventually will be separated from God and all that is good, and you will spend eternity in hell in the lake of fire. Since I was leaving the house last night, I received a phone call, and a gentleman was on the phone, and I said, hello. He said, is this uh, the Baptist church? I said, yes, it is. He said, do you have uh, services on Christmas Eve? I said, yes, we do. From 6 to 7, we have services tomorrow. And he said, oh, you don't have like a midnight service? And I'm thinking, heavens, no, we don't have a midnight service. (laughs) I said, no, we just have uh, 6 to 7. And I said, you're more than welcome to come. We'd love to have you. He said, you know, I don't know a whole lot about religion. He said, I know something about the Catholic Church. I don't want nothing to do with that. He said, uh, I know about those Seventh-day Adventists. I don't want anything to do with those Seventh-day Adventists. He said, I know a little bit about the Lutheran Church and the Methodist Church. He said, but I don't know anything about the Baptist Church. He said, I've just seen your church up there on the hill as I've driven back and forth. And he said, what do you believe? And I said, we just believe the Bible. He said, well, are you one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers? And I, I said to him, I said, well, I've never really considered myself a, quote, hellfire and brimstone preacher. I said, but I'll tell you one thing. We believe that there's a literal hell. He said, well, what are you going to talk about tomorrow night? I said, I'm just going to read the Christmas story, and we're going to sing some Christmas carols. And I said, matter of fact, I won't even be doing any preaching. He goes, okay, we'll be there. <laughs> According to Matthew chapter 23 and Mark chapter 3, there is a place of eternal damnation. You can call this hellfire and brimstone preaching if you want, but the Bible says there is a place called the lake of fire. There is a place of everlasting fire, eternal fire, a furnace of fire, a fire that never shall be quenched, a lake of of fire burning with brimstone. And all who reject the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. For all of you who may reject the fact that you are in peril and you are in danger of slipping into eternity without a Savior, will spend forever in this horrible place called hell.
I don't know how many of you remember this. This was several years ago. But I remember it captivated the entire country for several hours as a mother lost track of her young daughter. How many have ever lost track of their children? Boy, have I lost track of my kids. Alyssa's 19 years old and I lost track of her the other night. Someone had to bring her home. Try to keep track of 10 kids. But this mother lost track of her little girl. Somehow her little girl slipped away and she realized her daughter was gone. I don't remember the name of the daughter and all the events that surrounded that, but I remember she frantically started looking for her daughter and could not find her daughter anywhere. So she called 911 and the police came out and they began to search and they could not find her daughter. Could you imagine? And then they called the fire department. And lo and behold, they finally found the girl who had slipped into an abandoned well. Does any of you remember that? Okay, a few of you do. I don't know how long ago that was, but she slipped into this well and she was caught down in this well and she was suffocating. She was just trying to breathe and she was so tightly pressed into that. All of these men were gathered around her trying to figure out how they were going to get her out of that well. The news media showed up. Pretty soon it was all over America. And everybody was riveted and everybody was watching this take place. Eventually, after several hours, that little girl was saved. And she was taken out of that and reunited with her mother. You know, the best news that that mother could ever hear was, your daughter's been saved. If you would have gone up to that mother, while all of her saviors were around her, realizing the peril that this little girl was in, and that she had only maybe a few hours to live if they didn't get her out of that well. If you would have gone up to that mother and said, hey, did you see the news today? We're going to have a beautiful day tomorrow. Sun's going to shine, and it's going to be nice and warm. Do you think she would care what the weather was going to be like tomorrow? If you were to come up to that mother while they're trying to rescue her daughter and say to her, have you heard the economy's really doing well? She could care less about the weather. She could care less about the economy. What is the one thing that that mother is concerned about? That my daughter has a what? A savior. That someone could save my daughter from the peril that she's in. Do you realize how good the good news is? We have a savior. We are stuck in our sin. And there is no one that is going to get us out of our sin and the consequences of our sin but a savior. And that savior reached down to me. And that Savior has reached down to you. And that Savior has reached down to every person on the face of the earth. He reaches down. Could you imagine that little girl looking up, trying to take perhaps her last breath, and saying to her Saviors, No, thank you. I want to stay right where I'm at. 
When they reached for her hand, for her to pull her hand away and say, No, thank you. I don't need to be rescued. No, that little girl cried out. It's how they found out where she was. They could hear her faint voice calling out for a Savior. That's why the gospel is the most important the most important news in all the world. He reached down into a horrible pit. And thank God he pulled us out. And he set our feet on a rock and he established our goings. So the best news in all the world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because of how unique he is and how important that message is. The last thing I want to talk to you about before most of you fall asleep. Is the reason this is the best news in all the world is because it's true. It's true. I think you all would agree that good news is not good news if it's not true. If I told you, how many of you would like to hear me come up to you after the service today and say, you have just inherited a million dollars? How many of you like me to say that? But you see, that message that you've just inherited a million dollars would not bring you great joy if it wasn't true. Amen? The news that Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world is not fake news. Amen. It's not fake news. It's true news. It's not just a nice legend that we as Christians believe. It's not just a story that warms the heart during the Christmas season. It is absolutely 100% true. It's not a false hope that we have. Jesus came to be my Savior and to be your Savior and save me and you from judgment that we rightly deserve at the hands of a holy God. Do you believe that? The Christmas story, it's not a fairy tale. It happened exactly as the Bible records it happening. It's not made up. It's true history. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Church family, Thy word is truth. We live in a culture today. I'm so sad about the culture in which we now live and the culture in which my children are now raising their children in. So sad. But we live in a culture today that largely has abandoned the notion of absolute truth. 
Truth for most Americans today because of our humanistic educational system that has taken the truth out away from our students. Most Americans now believe that whatever works for you is truth. There is no absolutes, but if it works for you, that's fine. That's truth for you. If you believe in Buddhism or Hinduism or, or Spiritism or Shintoism, if it works for you, then, then that's truth for you. If you believe in Islam, then that's truth for you. If you believe in Judaism, then that's truth for you. If you believe in any of the 10,000 religions in the world, then you know what? That's okay, because there's no absolute truth. If it's truth for you, then it's for you. I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Pilate looked at Jesus. And he said sarcastically, what is truth? Jesus said, I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen to me, church. There cannot be two, three, four, ten thousand beliefs that mutually contradict each other and have them all to be subjectively truth. There is one truth. And if you want to find it, it's only found in one person. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's the truth which is Christ, the Lord. Yes, Jesus was born in past history to the Virgin Mary. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets. The events surrounding his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return one day have happened and will happen. You, you can't, church family, you can't just shrug it off. If it's true, then you have to deal with it in your own personal life. It's not just a nice story for someone to believe. Believing that Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord... It's not just one option. It's the only option. If Jesus is who the prophets predicted, the angels proclaimed, and he himself claimed to be, then your eternal destiny depends on what you do with him. Would you accept him or reject him? as your Savior. Putting off trusting the Lord Jesus and receiving Him into your life is to stay in your peril. 
is to stay in your very dangerous situation. I want to leave you with this song. What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth this sudden call. What will you do with Jesus? Will you evade him as Pilate tried? Or will you choose him whatever betide? Vainly you struggle from him to hide. What will you do with Jesus? Will you like Peter your Lord deny? Or will you scorn him his foes to fly? Daring for Jesus to live or die. What will you do with Jesus? The last stanza says, Jesus, I give thee my heart today. Jesus, I'll follow you all the way. Gladly obeying thee, will you say this? will I do with Jesus? And now the chorus. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? For unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. What will you do with the Savior? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.